All right, so I want you to notice in the beginning of chapter 3 here in 2 Corinthians, it says, Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we, as some others, epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? Ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men, for as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. In such trust have we through Christ to Godward, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything is of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter killeth, but the Spirit Giveth life. What I want to talk about this morning, the time I asked this morning, is the minister of the Spirit versus the minister of the letter. Now, folks, this is a very important concept that I really want you to get. Okay, I need everybody to pay extra attention. I need you to forget about being hungry and you know about where you're going to go eat this afternoon. And I need you to pay attention to this message because I really want you to get it. There's there's an important truth here that I'm hoping I can express to you all that a lot of people just don't get. And I want to make sure that everybody understands this. So, first off. Uh, well, let's, let's read a couple more verses. In verse 7 it says, But if the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how much shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? So, the ministration of the Spirit. You know, what is that versus the ministration of the letter? Well, I've got, for kind of a visual illustration here, uh, an example of the Old and New Testament. So here we have, over here, this is the ministration of death. The Old Testament. Now why is this the ministration of death? It's the Ten Commandments. Aren't the Ten Commandments good? Now, you better believe the Ten Commandments are good. But there's a big problem with the Ten Commandments. And that's us. We all have broken these Ten, these ten Commandments. We all have broken this Old Covenant. But thankfully, there's a New Covenant. And that is... Jesus Christ, the cross, that is the work that he did. This is the ministration of the Spirit over here. These are the two, these are the two covenants here. And we are ministers, we are supposed to be ministers of the Spirit, not of the letter. Okay? And we'll say more about this as we go, but I, I want you to kind of get a picture in your head of what that is. So Paul, here in this passage, he's making the point that the New Testament is way better than the Old Testament. I mean, isn't this New Testament great? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Isn't it great that we can't lose our salvation? You better believe that's great. Isn't it great that this is good forever? Where, you know, this one over here, you know, let's say, you know, you've been a good person and maybe you've not broken these commandments, but what if you do tomorrow? You know, what if, what if you do a year from now? You know, the tr and the truth is, we're all going to violate them at some point. You say, well, I, don't, I think I've done most of these. Well, how about this first one here? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You know, anytime you put anything above God, you're breaking that first commandment. And we have all done that. We are all guilty of breaking that first commandment. And we don't even want to go through some, some of these. I don't want to know if you broke them or not. Might have to go to the police. All right. Because it's even a law. There's even we still have some laws against some of these things. In our country, like killing people and stealing and things like that. And that's good. So Paul's making the point here in this passage that the New Testament is way better than the Old Testament. He's also making the point, too, he's made, he has made us able ministers of that New Testament. 
showing that we are able to keep the New Testament where we're unable to keep the Old Testament. And the only reason we're able to keep this one is because it's not about our works, it's about our faith. You put your faith in Christ, then He has made you able. In other words, he, He's the one who saves us, He's the one who keeps us safe. We don't believe in the perseverance of the saints, we believe in the perseverance of the Holy Spirit. He, we believe that He keeps us safe. So, um, you know, we are able to keep the New Testament, though, by the Spirit, not by the letter, meaning that there, there's not a list of rules like this that we can say that we've successfully followed. Okay, now you all get this? Right here, we've got ten commandments, right? Ten rules, you could say. That's that old covenant. But over here, there's, not a, there's, there's no list for you that you can put check marks by. Okay? There's, there's no list over here. It's Christ or nothing. It's Christ, Christ did it all. If you had to do anything to help, then you didn't get salvation. Because if it's of work, then it is no more of debt or grace. So you need to, it's, it's important to understand that. So the, those are those two covenants. And it's clear none of us have kept the old covenant. And nobody ever has kept that old covenant other than Jesus Christ. And neither had the rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 19. I want you to turn over there to Matthew chapter 19. Because I, I want to show you a man who had the wrong mentality. The mentality he had here is very similar to people today who give a lot of lip service to the correct gospel. But notice what this rich young ruler said in verse, uh, Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. It says, Behold, one came unto him, saying, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. Now, folks, you all know the story. He tells this man, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and follow me. Now, people are actually teaching that that is what that man had to do to be saved. There, there are people that are teaching that. The dispensational crowd, many of them teach that. That is beyond ridiculous, folks. Nobody ever got, if, if that's what a person had to do to be saved back then, nobody got saved before Jesus Christ. Because no, nobody did that. But what notice what just came out of Jesus' mouth. Why callest thou me good? There is none good. There is none righteous. No, not one. Why is he saying this? Because Jesus knows that man's heart. And that man's about to come and brag about how he's kept this list. And Jesus is trying to tell him before he's even got any words out of his mouth so he can't take it personal. Hey, buddy, there's none good, no, not one except for God. So, I mean, right there, that proves Jesus isn't trying to tell this guy, you keep all those commandments, you're good. You go sell everything, you're good. That wasn't what he was doing. Let's keep reading. It says in verse 18, he said unto him, uh, or he said, if thou wilt enter the life, you know, he said, keep the commandments. And he saith unto him, which? All right, what's your checklist, Jesus? Because I've got this checklist right here of things that I have successfully kept. And so, and listen to what he's, so he saith unto him, or he saith unto which, Jesus said, thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, all these have I kept from my youth up, what lack I yet? Now notice Jesus didn't give all ten commandments there, did he? Jesus didn't mention the first commandment there, did he? I think, I think that's very interesting. He just He's just kind of giving a list. You know you know the commandments. Don't kill, don't steal. You know, He, he didn't go through all of them. But notice what it says here. Young, he said, oh, I've kept them all. What lack I yet? Do I need to add anything to my checklist? 
Jesus saith unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell all that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. And when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. That man had not kept that commandment right there. That man had not kept it. There's no doubt about it. His money was his God. His possessions were his God. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, I think we often in the New Testament age, we get this thing wrong. Okay? And I believe what Jesus meant here is what it means today. Now watch this. Because we often, we always want to forget about the rich people. Because, you know, they're usually pretty, you know, cold to the gospel. And they often are. But let's look at what this says. Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now, I personally believe Jesus literally speaking here, and I do. Because it's impossible for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And you know what? It's impossible for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God with this checklist. You all understand that? And you know what? It's impossible for you, even if you're not. And you know what? In those standards back then, we're all rich people here. Y'all, y'all understand that? I understand Bernie Sanders told you you're not rich and that you need to elect him president so he can make you rich. Okay? I understand none of us in here are Donald Trump, but, you know, we all got here in motorized transportation. We live in heated homes. You know, we have, we have more clothes than we need. We have more food than we need. We are all rich. But we got saved pretty easy, didn't we? We all got, as rich, as the rich people, we got saved pretty easily. Why is that? It's because when the disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed and said, who then can be saved? Hey, if this guy who kept all these things can't be saved, who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. You know what? We can enter the kingdom of heaven, not through this, because this is what man does, but we can enter the kingdom of heaven through this, because with God, all things are possible. And since God made a way of salvation for us, since God paid for all of our sins, we can enter the kingdom of God, and we can do it very easily. But a, a rich man, it's impossible. And it, and it is impossible for us in keeping that checklist. So thank God for that second covenant. So the problem most people have today is they are still looking to fulfill some letter in a covenant. Okay? And why is it this? It's because they're trying to obtain eternal life through the flesh and not through the spirit. Now, that's an easy thing to say right there, but it is a difficult concept to grasp. But I'm hoping I can help you do this because I do. I believe that there's a form of this trying to obtain salvation in the flesh, even amongst Baptist people with right doctrine. In fact, I believe there's a lot of this even amongst people who consider themselves new IFB. There's there's a a big problem with this. And and I, I think it's really bad. In this crowd often. And I'm not talking about, you know, with the preachers and with the preaching that you hear. But I'm talking about with many people that consider themselves a part of this movement and they they identify with us that they are missing something that is very important. And they are actually ministers of the letter, not of the spirit. And I'm going to show you why. Because these, these people, they give lip service to the correct gospel. But I believe many of them are as lost as Adam's house cat. I, I really do believe that. And there is, there is a perverted new covenant you know, there, that many Baptists are following today. And it's a counterfeit 
of the new covenant that we are saved by. Alright? So now what is this? Okay, how do we explain how do we explain this? Alright, so I'm gonna erase this here, uh, this this old covenant over here. I think because we all know, everybody knows nobody's saying you gotta keep these commandments to go to heaven, at least not in our world. Alright? But there is a kind of a new um, letter that people are trying to follow. So first off, often when you ask people if they're saved, now hear me out on this, okay? What they often do is they go to a checklist, all right? They, they go to a checklist. Instead of just talking about the cross, they've got their checklist. And they'll say, well, I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, all right? I believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. They'll, another thing that they'll say, you know, I'm right on the major doctrines, you know? I'm right on doctrine. You know, I don't believe in modalism. You know, I don't believe in whatever heresy the new IFB has been, you know, hammering uh, lately. You know, I, I don't believe those things. I'm right on the ma- I'm right on the major doctrines. You know, I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection. All right, so I'll just put D B R, the death, burial, and resurrection. You know, the gospel. That's the death, burial, and resurrection. I believe that. You know, I've done all these things. And then, of course, the big one, the last one, says, I am not a reprobate. <laughs> all right. Now, I've had a lot of people tell me that before. Okay, often people, and, and in this crowd, everybody loves to, the crowd, everybody wants to question everybody's salvation. All right? Everybody wants to declare everybody unsaved. They want to reprobate everybody, all that kind of stuff. That, that's, that's pretty common. And so the thing is, you know, with all the preaching that we put online and, and that they hear, people know exactly what they're supposed to say. And I mean, they come walking into church. It's like the first thing, you know, I believe, you know, I believe you know, I'm right on doctrine. You know, I agree with I agree with you guys in all your doctrine. I believe in the death, burial and resurrection. I'm not a reprobate. You know, they, you know they know all these things that they're supposed to say, but there is no doubt there's something that's missing in their heart. And often, too, you know, we have people, we're seeing it where there's people who give lip service to all the right things. In other words, they're following the letter, but yet they often get bent out of shape and then they go and they get involved in all kinds of weird doctrine. You know, they get involved in oneness. They get involved in, you know, who knows what kind of junk. They, they get involved in other religions or they just walk away from everything completely. And it's like, well... You know, we're hardcore on eternal security, so, you know, they're still saved, you know, even if they're not still believing, all, all that, you know. And we're always just trying to figure out, you know, all right, well, we got a complicated situation here. These persons stop. We're trying to figure out things we can add to the checklist to make sure everybody's saved. And the truth is, when, we, when we're doing this, we're often sending a wrong message. Because you might say, well, this is the new covenant right here. This is the same thing right here. Well, this is the letter, but over here, this is the spirit. Okay? And so what's the difference? Because notice in 2 Corinthians 3, 6, look what it says. It says, Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. Okay? Right here, you can call this the letter of the New Testament. Okay, our gospel tracts, you can call them the letter of the New Testament. I mean, it's, it's written out, it's accurate, what's in there. You know, our statement of faith, you can call that the letter. It's accurate what all is on there. 
But just because somebody comes up and they give lip service to these things, does it actually mean that person's saved? Because I believe the Bible does say, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Okay? If thou shalt believe in thine heart, the Bible says. And you know, when you believe something in your heart, you're not just going to throw these things out later. You know, you're not just going to go preach in three gospels later. You're not just going to go preach in a different Jesus later. And you're not going to go join, you know, the Mormon cult and things like that. You're not going to do that when this is in your heart. Okay? But what we do, we've got a lot of letter followers today. And they're messing everything up. They're actually bringing a lot of confusion. And, you know, and many of these people, they've listened to enough preaching. They know exactly what to say. But there's no doubt they don't believe in their heart. It's like they come in and they're, they're quoting a script. You know, they, they know the script. They watch enough videos. You know, they, they've heard these arguments, but there's no doubt it's not in our heart. This, you know, this is why the three gospel crowd is not saved. Because if they don't see death, burial, and resurrection mentioned in the verse, then it's not the gospel. It's like, you know, you've got, you know, you got to have it all. Everything's got to be articulated in there just right. And if it's not worded exactly right, if there's something slightly different in that verse or one thing's left out, then it's a different gospel because things that are different are not the same. You know, and they just go and they complicate everything. And then they've got like a Robert Breaker thing up here where it's just written all over the place. Nobody can understand it. It looks like a big scientific equation or something on there. And truth is, when it comes to salvation, you know, I don't really care... If you give all the right lip service to all these things, if you can articulate your doctrine better than anything, listen, if it's not from the spirit, if it's not in the heart, you're not saved. This is something that we believe in our hearts. Okay? This isn't something that we just give lip service to. This isn't a bunch, we don't, the, you know, the gospel isn't a bunch of things that we just memorize and we quote to somebody else. These are things that we believe in our heart. And therefore, they stick with us. Therefore, they're not going anywhere. And so, and this is why when we go soul winning, we like to ask people how they know that they're going to heaven. Now, why do we do that? Because we want to see their answer. That's a way of finding out what's in their heart. Now, often when we go soul winning, people, they are not trained in the scriptures. They have not watched all of our videos. You know, they don't often use the right terminology. Sometimes they articulate things very badly, but... You, after you talk to them for a little bit, it's usually pretty easy to tell where you're just like, I mean, you probably, you've all been there before. It's like, you know, they're saved. Yeah, they, they didn't say things exactly right. They maybe used repent in a way, uh, the word repent in a way that we wouldn't have used it. But there's no doubt you get the message, you get the spirit from what's coming from these people. And the spirit I'm getting is this right here. You know, they're, they're just trusting in Christ. They're believing on Jesus. They can't say everything exactly right. They've not been trained well enough, but there's no doubt these people are saved on their way to heaven. While there's other people, they can quote all these things just perfect. In fact, they almost sound like a robot a lot of times when they're saying it. And you talk to these people, and sometimes you just walk away, and it's like you don't know what to do because they said all the right things, but there was just something in your heart that's like, man, we're not connected. <laughs> uh, and, you know, a lot of times there's not much you can do in those situations, you know, but... Y'all, if, you, if you've been soul for any length of time, you know what I'm talking about. Okay? We've been there. We've been there before. Right? We've all experienced it. But look what it says in Hebrews 10, 
chapter 14. Now, why is, why is it that some people who don't often, because, I mean, you know, of course, our church, you know, we're one of the good churches. We've got everything articulated. We've got all the wording right. You know, we're, we're clear, right? We're crystal clear salvation people, right? And I believe, I believe we are, and I think we ought to be that way. Okay? But just because somebody's not real good in their terminology, it does not mean that they're not saved. It's very clear when you talk to these people, what's coming from their heart is the cross. It's the New Testament it's the gospel, and it says, and, and how are, now how are they able to do that? How is somebody who's had virtually no training in the scriptures able to often, you know, clumsily convince some of us that they're saved? Well, it's because we can identify with what they're saying because what they're, they're speaking from their heart. And that's why we ask them these questions. In Hebrews 10.14, it says, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified, whereof the Holy Ghost also is witness to us. For after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. And behold, so right there, we see, he said, I'm going to put these things in their heart. Okay? God has put this in their heart. And while they might not, re, you know, they might not be able to give you the scripture references, while they might not be able to say all the things right, while you could probably easily confuse them on some things, the truth is, what's coming from their heart is this right here. Where we've got other people, man, they can just give everything just right. They've got it memorized. They've got it tattooed on their forehead. But yet... It's like, man, there's something wrong with these folks. And they're, all, and they're and they usually the ones, too, that tattoo it on their forehead, figuratively speaking, are usually the first ones to throw it out. I, and I find that interesting because, once again, it's the letter. It's not the spirit. And you're not going to get anywhere with the letter. Some people know exactly what to say. And sometimes it's, it's, like, they're, it's like somebody just programmed. It's like they're memorizing. It's like they, they're, they're quoting a line. But... It's clear when talking, you know, that there's other people, they don't really know what to say, they don't know the verses, but it's clear they're pointing to Jesus. They're, they're talking about Jesus. We've all experienced that. 1 Corinthians 2, 1, the Apostle Paul said, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Apostle Paul said, you know, I didn't come showing off, you know, how I could articulate these things, how many doctrinal statements I've memorized, how many scriptures. And I didn't, I didn't want to know anything among you. I didn't want to hear your letter that you can do. I didn't want to see your doctrinal statement. I'm just trying to, I just want to see Jesus Christ and Him crucified. When I talk about your salvation, are you going to talk about all the things you've got memorized? Are you going to talk about the cross? Because that's what I, that's, that's what the Apostle Paul wanted to hear from these people. The Apostle Paul was not like the new IFB doctrinal statement police that are all over the internet, like the Gestapo, just you know exposing every church in the world that doesn't have their terminology exactly right, exposing every preacher. Quite, I mean, there's good preachers out there that don't use the best terminology in the world because unfortunately they haven't you know drank all our Kool Aid, all right, you know, and so on. And, and, but at the same time, these people are just as saved as the rest of us. And then you've got these clowns going online when these guys are doing good things and accomplishing good things and saying good things. I need you to clear, you know, so -so, I need you to clear things up on your doctrinal statement. I noticed in your book you said repent of sins. I noticed you said that. And they're always, you know, you're not following the new IFB letter, you know, when it comes to the gospel. And I'm telling you, when you do that kind of thing, you're exposing yourself. 
Because let me tell you something. You know, I don't. When, if I want to know if somebody's saved, you know, I just, I just need to talk to the person. I just need. I you know, I'll I'll hear their testimony, and I I can I, I feel like I can just tell the difference. Okay, now, I don't know how to explain exactly. It's called a heart thing. But you know what I don't do? I don't go on their website, and I don't go pour over their doctrinal statement and just investigate every letter. Because you know what? Even if I were to write out a letter of everything here too, when it comes to what we believe, I probably I might get something a little wrong. But at the end of the day, whole, anything I would write out, anything that I preach explaining salvation, while I might make some mistakes, I might say some things wrong, I might even misread a verse and say it a little bit wrong, you know what, hopefully the message that you all get is this right here. Hopefully that's the message that you get right there. You get the spirit of what I'm saying. Even though I might mess something up, even though I might trip over my words a little bit, you're going to get the spirit of it, and you will and you would agree that, you know what, Brother Tommy is saved. Brother, you know, and proof of our salvation, it is, it's more from things in the spirit, not so much from the letter. Not from, and I wish these stinking doctrinal police would go jump in a lake. All right, you know, let these people figure that out. Stop, stop harassing these people and treating them like they're not saved. Stop just going and just, you know, I, I hate it that everybody that comes in contact with our crowd has to go and put out a video defending their salvation. Because we do, you know, we can't take the word of somebody that actually knows the person, that knows the preacher, that's talked to the preacher, you know, and then we, you know, we've got to go, no, I looked at their doctrinal statement, I looked at their position on this, I looked at their letter, I looked at their Baptist confession of whatever, and, you know, things are right. They're not, you know what, at the end of the day, I don't really go off those things. I go off the Spirit. And if I don't know the person, if I don't care to know the person, I'm not really, I'm not going to go digging that stuff up. I really don't care about that. It's not that important to me. But it is to a lot of these people because they just want to throw everybody in hell. And I find it aggravating and it makes me sick. I don't want to have anything to do with that. I think it's wrong. And so, you know, when I listen to people's testimony, I'm listening not just with my ears. I'm listening in my spirit, too. I'm listening in my heart. I want to hear, I want to, I want to try to understand the message that they're trying to get across. I'm not going to go over their doctrinal statement with the fine tooth comb. I'm not going to get freaked out if I hear a preacher misuse the word repent. I'm not going to get freaked out by that. I'm sure I've done it before. And so how do we spot these ministers of the law or of the of the letter versus the ministers of the spirit? How do we spot these? And I believe saved people, sometimes we can get in the flesh and we can do some of this stuff, all right? Some of these things I'm going to be talking about, I'm not saying that everybody that does them is not saved, but I will say they are in the flesh. And saved people can get in the flesh and they can get out of line. I'm just going to real quickly go over some of these things and make sure you don't do these things. Because this is, this is not how we work. This is not what, what's right. So the minister of the letter, they look for any mistake in your wording when you state your faith. Where the minister of the spirit, it's looking for faith in Christ. That, that's what it comes down to. Because you know, how much did any of us really know when we got saved? You know, how much doctrine did you know when you got saved? How many scriptures did you have memorized? You know, most of us didn't know hardly anything. But man, somebody came along and they told us that salvation, it's not something we work for. It's a free gift. It's something that comes through Jesus Christ and only Jesus Christ because he paid for it all on the cross. And that if we'll just ask him for it, he'll forgive us of all those sins. And he'll save us and we'll go to heaven and we'll die and we'll never even be able to lose that salvation because it's all about him. 
That's all we really knew. But when it came to, you know, the doctrines of whatever, you know, if some Calvinist would have came to you and started talking about the doctrines of grace, you know, you would have been able to defend yourself in that situation. You didn't know. In fact, if they would have gotten to you right after you got saved, you might have went along with some of that. Because they give really good lip service to a lot of things that are accurate. There's, you know, most of us did not know all this stuff. So when we're trying to figure out if somebody's saved, you don't need to just go over every word they're saying like a lawyer. goes over a document. Do you realize you know, lawyers are one of the reasons everything's crooked in this world? Do you realize that it's crooked people that go over every word of a document? Do you realize whenever you just want to make a deal, hey, I just want to buy this car, or I just want to purchase this house for so much money, do you realize the reason... That there are so many words, that there are so many things that you have to sign, it's because there are so many liars. And often because the people that you're doing the deal with are often trying to rip you off too. And so they're the ones that get super detailed in the words, where back in the day when people were honest, a handshake said it all. And let me tell you something, when it comes to salvation, the cross says it all. Jesus Christ says it all. If they're proclaiming Jesus Christ and Him crucified, I don't really care if they mess up some stuff over here just because they, they haven't been trained. They just don't know any better. Or maybe they've been in a bad church and they've got some dumb lines stuck in their head. Okay? I believe these people are saved and we don't need to go throwing them into hell because they're not getting the letter right. That's what the minister of the letter does. The minister of the letter, that lawyer, he goes over and he goes into that fine print that he knows nobody read. And he sees, look, look, you're, you're, you're accountable by this thing right here. By this line with the super small writing that you would have never seen. And you, even if you had seen it, you wouldn't have understood it unless a lawyer explained it to you. You know, we're going to hold you accountable to this, even though there's no doubt that the person that when they made the deal, they didn't realize that's what they were getting themselves into. But yet that's how we, that's how many people are treating the New Testament. They turned it into the letter versus the spirit. And they're wanting to beat everybody over the head with this stuff. But that person who is a minister of the spirit, I'm just, I'm looking for faith in Christ. I don't care if they get some wording wrong here or there. I don't care if they've got some things wrong in their life. If they're professing Christ and him crucified, I believe that person's saved and we're going to baptize them. We're not going to go make them take a whole bunch of classes where we can teach them all the right things to say before we baptize them. You know, that, that's, we're not going to do that. I think that's unnecessary. I think it sends a bad message when we do that type of thing. So that's not, that's not what we're going to do. So another thing, the minister of the letter, it, they need constant reassurance that they've crossed all their T's and dotted all their I's while the minister of the Spirit doesn't even flinch when somebody questions their salvation. Folks, my salvation is questioned all the time. By the enemies. I don't even flinch. Look, I, I don't need, I don't need to commend myself. I don't need, as some others, epistles of commendation. I don't need a certificate from the church that says Tommy McMurtry is saved, was saved on this day. It was. I, I don't. I don't. I don't need that. Okay. I know I'm saved in my heart. So if some clown wants to come along and tell me that I'm not saved. I'm going to laugh at them like I laugh at all clowns. Okay? They don't know what they're talking about. I do know what I'm talking about. But yet, some people, when you go and you say, listen, I don't believe you're saved. I believe on Jesus Christ. I'm right in the major doctrines. I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm not a reprobate. 
You know, they've all, they've, they all want to go over the list with you. I see them do this all the time. I, I see this kind of thing all the time. And it's like, and then they've just got to go and they've got to find somebody to declare them saved. Why? Why do you need to be declared saved? I thought you had the Holy Spirit. I thought the Holy Spirit was in your heart. If you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, why do you need any epistle of commendation? Why do, I need, why do you need anything written out for you? Why do you need me to lay my hands on you and declare you saved? You don't need that when a person is really saved. That rich young ruler, though, what did he do? He needed to come back to that law, didn't he? Those Ten Commandments. And say, Master, which of these things I need to do? He needed Jesus to tell him he was all good. He needed Jesus to tell him, yep, man, you crossed off everything on the checklist. You're good to go, buddy. He needed that from him because he was a minister of the letter and he was not saved even though he was a good guy. So the minister of the letter is constantly going to try to prove they're saved through things like their dramatic testimony, for example, if they're from the camp meeting world. That's what they're going to do. Or if they're from our crowd, they're going to you know, try to show their knowledge of doctrine and their ability to accurately quote you know, accurate doctrinal positions. That's what they're going to do in our crowd. But Because it's like they need someone to tell them, you're good, you're saved. But you know, I, I don't need that, okay? I don't need to force someone to... I, I, don't, need, I don't need somebody to try, else to try to convince me of something I already know is true. Okay, for example, too, but yet some people, it's like, how dare they say this? How dare they do that? You know, you shouldn't be allowed to... You know, pastors pastor shouldn't go throwing other people in hell and saying other people aren't saved. Well, why does that even matter? Why does that matter to you so much? I'll tell you why. It's the same reason... In Canada, they've got laws against misgendering people. And it's coming to a country near you. Where you're not allowed to tell a man who thinks he's a woman, you're not allowed to call him sir or he. Otherwise, he's going to go all roid rage on you, mad, and start smashing things in the GameStop. I don't know if you all saw that video. But okay, now, now, why do they want people to feed in their fantasy so bad? Because it's a fantasy. That's why... They want laws passed saying, you know, you have to call me the gender that I identify with. Well, why does it matter? If you know you're a woman, why do you need to get laws passed to make everybody else agree? That's really weird. I don't need to force everyone to agree with what I already know to be true. And I know that I'm saved. I've got the Holy Spirit inside me, so it's laughable when I hear somebody say that I'm not saved. And I don't, whenever that happens, I don't go running to a letter. I just go running to the Spirit. And I'm like, Spirit's still with me. I'm good. They've got nothing. So, you know, my faith cannot be shaken on these things. But if I live in a fantasy world, you know, then there can be a problem. If, they're, if I'm somebody that's following the letter, all somebody's got to do is add a new item to the list. Like, oh man, I don't, I don't have that one. You know, and now all of a sudden my faith is shaken. You know, but truth is, I don't need all these things. And there are people you know, that I believe in my heart are saved. And while I cannot justify all their terminology, quite often I do believe in my spirit. They're a true believer. And I'm not interested in the new IFB doctrinal statement, please. I, don't, I really don't care what these people have to say. 
So that minister of the letter, they do, they need that constant reassurance. In fact, I, I went soloing with a guy one time. I mean, it's the first time I've, I've talked to this guy in prison. I talked to him on the phone one other time. And the whole time we're out going soloing, he's wanting to tell me a whole bunch of stuff I didn't want to know about his past. Stuff when he was younger that he couldn't help. And he was like trying to get me to declare that he was not a reprobate. And it was super weird. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think you're reprobate, obviously. you know. But it was just like, I thought it was super weird. Why did he need me to tell him I didn't think he was a reprobate? And then I found out later, after he got kicked out of his church, he had done the same thing with a bunch of other pastors. It's like he makes it his mission to go soloing with all these different pastors. And he tells them about his story. And he asks them if they think he's a reprobate. Well, listen, if you are a reprobate, okay, you're not going to know it. Because that's the whole point of having being given over to a reprobate mind. <laughs> All right? So you can't get right. Okay? So you wouldn't know it anyway, so it's not going to help whether I tell you you're a reprobate or I don't tell you you're a reprobate. All right? e- either way, it's not going to help. But second of all, I mean, yeah, a normal person doesn't need that kind of commendation. They already know in their heart. If you're saved, you know, why would you even think you could be a reprobate? It, it doesn't even make sense. But this guy apparently... Needed tons of reassurance, like the rich young ruler. I need some assurance here. You know, I uh, I understand. You know, I, I've done some things in the past that would put me on the reprobate checklist. But you know, I, I, I it wasn't what I wanted to do. I was forced. You know, I couldn't really help. Well, okay, fine. I, I'll think you're a reprobate. Okay, I'm going to go to the next pastor. Make sure he tells me the same thing too. That's weird. That's real weird. Something's very wrong in that. And I don't. I don't need any proof from anybody that I'm saved. I, I, I just don't need it. If all, if the whole church just, you heard me say something wrong and you decided we're firing you as pastor because you're not saved, you used the word repent wrong or whatever. You know, we found a sermon from the 90s when you preached and you, you, you said you have to repent of your sins to be saved in there and you said you got saved in 1986 and therefore you still are not saved. And we're firing you as a pastor. You know what? I'm going to be sad y'all fired me as the pastor. You know, I'm going to be really sad and everything. But I'm not going to think for one second, oh, man, I wonder if I'm not really saved. You know, and then I'm not going to go on this big campaign to get everybody to sign a paper here saying, oh, we believe Pastor Tommy's saved. I, I don't need that. Okay? And if y'all are that big of nut jobs, I failed somewhere as a pastor and I need to go somewhere else anyway. So I'm going to go pastor somewhere where it's warm during the winter time. <laughs> Don't ever fire me or like don't ever get out of line here in the wintertime. All right. That's when I that's when I get tempted to move down south. All right. If you want to cause trouble in the church, do it in the you know, spring, summer or fall. All right. Because I don't I'm not going anywhere during those times. But in the winter, you know, you always think about it. But anyway, side note there. But last, last thing real quick. The minister of the letter, they constantly condemn others and looks to prove how others are unsaved while the minister of the spirit shows genuine concern for the lost, and gives people the benefit of the doubt. That, that's the difference between the minister of the letter versus the minister of the Spirit. You know, why are you so concerned about tattling on other Christians who aren't everything that you think you are? Why, you know, why is that? Why, why are you so interested in being a judge of all men? You know, these people aren't going to stand before you on Judgment Day. You know, these people are not accountable to you. You're not accountable for them. Why do you feel so necessary to do that? You know, are are you doing, uh, you know, are you doing the things you do out of obligation or out of love for the Lord? 
Are you in church today because you want to be able to put a check mark on, I go to church. Did you get baptized because you just want to put a check mark on, I got baptized. I did the Lord's Supper. I go soul winning. You know, you just, is that why you're doing these things? So you can fill out a checklist or are you just doing it from the heart because of the Spirit? That, that ought to be, that, that, that's a difference right there. You know, are you doing what you're doing because you're convinced it's right? Or are you doing it because it's what everybody else is doing? Well, good night. If I go to, if I go to Liberty Baptist Church and I'm not following some of these things, they might think I'm not saved. Well, you know, who cares what we think? You know, nobody's going to stand before us on Judgment Day. So, you know, why, don't do the things that we do out of obligation. We're supposed to do these things from the Spirit. And if you're doing it from the flesh, you're not going to succeed and you're not even going to please God. They are in the flesh cannot please God. Do the things that we're doing because you're convinced that it's the right thing to do. Do it because you believe in your heart. Don't call on the Lord because you heard us say, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I want to put a check mark on that one. No, you know what you do? You call on the Lord to be saved because you believe in your heart that if you call on the Lord, he'll save you. You don't need a checklist. You just know what to do from the heart, from the spirit. And unfortunately, many people are missing that, missing out on that. And they do. It's like they constantly feel this need to show all the things that others can't check on their check marks as a way of affirming that I can check these things, thus telling everybody else I'm saved. They're not. It's like they that's their way of getting reassurance from everybody else. It's like the more false prophets I expose, you know, the more people will be convinced I'm saved. I don't know why you need to convince everybody you're saved. I only need to get that taken care of with one person, Jesus Christ. As long as he's convinced, I'm good. And he's the only one I'm going to stand before someday on Judgment Day. And so I'm going to do the things I'm doing because I'm convinced they're right. And folks, listen, this is the fact. In many churches and even many pastors, the only reason they dress the way they do, the only reason they go souling, the only reason they're doing half the things they do as a Baptist is because that's what Baptists do. You know, I need to be able to put all these things on our website that we have all these things because that's what everybody's looking for. But they're not doing it from the heart. And, you know, I'm glad they're doing I'm glad they got everything on their website you're supposed to have. But, you know, I'd rather go to a church whose website's messed up or doesn't even have a website, but they're just doing these things because that's just what they do. Because that's just, that's what comes natural to them as a born-again Christian. You know, they're doing it from the heart, not from the letter. And, but... It is, and this is kind of a new thing that's big with our crowd, you know, where, you know, we're so concerned about the doctrinal statements and what's on the websites, and, and I understand that stuff's important, all right? I want to send the right message, but you all understand that that's a newer thing, you know, 20 years ago, nobody had websites, okay? Nobody had doctrinal statements that everybody paid attention to and stuff like that, so a lot of pastors still have that old mindset, and they don't give a rip about their website. You know, there, and so you're not going to spot the false prophet by looking at the doctrinal statement on their website. Right. Somebody put that there for them. You know, they just copied and pasted. They're using a template from some other church. You know, you're not getting to the heart of things by looking at a website. You get to the heart of things not even by watching that church on YouTube. You get to the heart of things by actually getting into that church, getting around the people, talking to people, getting to know the people. That's when you get to the heart of things. And there's a lot of churches out there. There's a lot of people out there. They've got a great checklist. There's a lot of churches. They've got a great website. But you know what? They're missing this over here. They're missing what comes from the heart. 
They're missing what comes from the Spirit. And that's what's really important over there. We are ministers of that, of that New Testament. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. And the ministers of the letter, are, they're never able to find fulfillment. They're never able to be happy. And the commandments of God, the Bible says they're not grievous. And if they make, if the commandments of God make you unhappy, or if they make you feel, uh, if, if, or if you feel like you make others unhappy with them, then you have a problem. You're the one that has the problem. Those who are doing the right thing in the spirit, they can't be stopped from doing the right thing. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.17, Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is liberty. We've got a big problem when we got to force everybody to do the things that they're supposed to be doing. And you know what? We don't do that here. And I'm going to be in this. And then tonight's message is it's, it's kind of a completely different subject, but it kind of picks up where I'm leaving off right here. You need to hear tonight's message because in a lot of churches, there is unbiblical enforcement methods being used. Things that should be needed. And, and folks, we don't we have never used these things here. We do not force people to do anything in this church because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And if people believe in their heart that they should be doing the things that we teach that they should do, they're going to do them. We don't have to make them. In fact, if they believe it in their heart, we can't stop them from doing those things. They're right. So you want to hear tonight's message that kind of picks up where this left off. But I hope you understand. I hope you got the message of this, the difference between the letter and the Spirit. We are ministers of the Spirit, not of the letter. And let's get off this, just policing everybody, you know, going over all their words. It's, it's, it's one thing if it's somebody that's attacking us and somebody that's, you know, that's, I mean, literally going against the doctrine that we preach. You know, then let's expose their doctrine. Let's show what they're teaching. But if it's somebody that's out there that just, you know, they don't know any better, you know, they're trying to do the right thing, they're on the right path, and they got a few things wrong over here, leave them alone. That's not, that's not our job. We don't need to do that. And so I hope you get this difference, and I hope this was a help. So let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. I pray that this message came across clearly, Lord, and that, uh, that everyone understood it in the way it's supposed to be understood. I pray you'll help us to be ministers of the Spirit, of the New Testament in the Spirit, not in the letter. Help us to uh, show grace to others. Help us to remember where we were, what we came from, and what you did for us. And Lord, we thank you for making us able ministers. We thank uh, and we understand you get 100% of the credit for everything that we do when it comes to our salvation. I pray you'll help us to glorify you for it and just proclaim uh, you and you crucified. In your name we pray. Amen.